Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch with Sean Styers and Jim Irizarry on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Good afternoon, Netta Slancha to ya. How we doing today? How'd I do with my Irish brogue there, Jimbo? Is that what that was? I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like the thing to say. Sure. I just, you know, I go as the mood hits me. <laughs> this is this is our happy hour, I guess. That's so. right. That is right. I just found out because I've never actually been to Ireland and I was listening to something the other day and somebody, it was actually a TV show and somebody said Slantia and apparently that is what if you've ever seen S-L-A-I-N-T-E I mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was like Slante or Slante I didn't know how to say it right. like I said, I've never been to Ireland but apparently that's kind of like Cheers yeah, there, over there, there like Gaelic yeah, are several words there. Like, there's a name that I see, you know, pop up every so often. That I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, like, how do I say this? Right, <laughs> right. You know, that'll happen, I guess. Yeah. How do we say anything? Exactly. And then, and then there's uh, also the uh, the the clip of the weatherman from uh, you know from over there saying the the uh, the name of the town that literally is as long as the screen <laughs> so <laughs> and he nails it too <laughs> which is even more impressive quite honestly but huh. it's just like wow <laughs> that's how you, you ever, say that okay you ever been to ireland i have not i yeah, have not neither, like i said neither have i never made that trip uh, know a lot of people who have obviously notre dame and mm-hmm. Navy will be playing there in a couple of years, so uh, a lot more people will be making that trip over to Dublin, so good for them. Last home game of the season tomorrow. Senior Day. Notre Dame Stadium. Senior Day. And it's this season has just blown right by us. It really has. Here I, we are. Uh, you know, we, we've gone from wearing shorts and T-shirts to <laughs> – Having to break out the winter coats and the scarves and hats and everything and starting to layer and, you know, we haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. So. Very true. That is less than a week away at this point. And that means, of course, Notre Dame going to Stanford to close out the regular season next week. And we will find out, uh, I guess, tomorrow night. Isn't that when we're supposed to find out when the kickoff time for that game is? I would assume, like, if if not tomorrow night, then then definitely by Sunday. Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I believe the two, the two options that I saw are three thirty in the afternoon, and eight o'clock at night. Okay. So, we'll find out. All right, we'll find out. 
Uh, had a Notre Dame women's basketball game. <laughs> Which are you night. hoping for? Are you going for are you going for another afternoon? Fingers crossed. Well, or, uh... you know, <laughs> I was getting ready to say I had a Notre Dame women's game last night, and yeah. I will actually be in. You know, speaking of weather and all that good stuff, I'll be in Florida with them next week. So right. Um, so I don't know which I'm hoping for because either way I'm going to have to record the game and I won't be doing the post-game show. Vince is going to be filling in for me, as you know, next week with Evan right. Sharpley. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll take it as it comes, okay. I guess. <laughs> because like I said, That's I'm going to have to record the game either way because yeah. of the time of the women's. I think the women's game starts at 7 next week. So either way, you know, even if it starts at 3:30, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I'll probably be able to watch the first half, then you got to get on a bus, go to the arena and do all that stuff, you right. know, and then you know, and then either way I'm flying home after the game. So I'm not going to be able to watch the whole thing live and and like I said, I won't be able to do the post-game show as a result either way. So but you're going to be in Florida. Yes, there is that. There's, you know, and it's a you're, weird. You're going to be in it, Florida in November. I can't remember if I told you this last week. Um, it's kind of a weird schedule because they they play on Friday and Saturday next right. week. So because they play Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, I guess they decided they don't want to do Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving because of you know like eat too much, get bogged down or whatever, and then play a game the next day. So Mm -hmm. they're actually doing Thanksgiving dinner the day before Thanksgiving, and we'll we'll be down there for that the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday. Okay. And I'll be on the air doing Budweiser's weekday sports beat at that time. So I have to figure out if I'm actually going to get Thanksgiving dinner (laughs) next week (laughs) because of the team schedule since I'll be down there with them. So do I get, you know, like a to-go box or – you know, how's this going to work? Or, or are you going to be able to, uh, you know, get your pick of everything, or are you just getting the scraps? That's a very uh, good question as well. Yeah. It's a, oh, you know, and the al- the alternative is whatever hotel we're going to be staying in. I'm sure they'll have some sort of Thanksgiving meal on Thanksgiving, but I'll probably have to, you know, shell out 80 bucks to eat it, you know, right. with hotel prices and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. So we'll see. <laughs> this bottle of water in the mini bars, $5? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where am I? A stadium? <laughs> Might as well be sometimes <laughs> right. when you go to those things. Well, it's a leprechaun lunch, and we're, of course, presented by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow and prosper. We do have Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech, and a little bit earlier kickoff. This is the earliest home kickoff time we've had this year, 2.30 in the afternoon, as opposed to we've had at least one 3.30 kickoff and i can't even remember the rest of the kickoff times because we've had so many primetime games this season but it is a but there was also there was also a noon kickoff in there too <laughs> there was there was there was we've a been all over the place <laughs> at uh the, the game at soldier field against wisconsin you're right that was a noon kickoff um so our coverage tomorrow starts at eight in the morning replay the brian kelly show nine o'clock it's game day with tim growl and vince D'Addario. Uh, among their guests Joe Theismann will be on the show tomorrow. 1970 All-American, Super Bowl-winning quarterback Joe Theismann, uh, former Notre Dame NFL linebacker Rocky Boyman, who uh, does some work for ESPN, and I believe he does some radio in his hometown, Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. as well. And then uh, a multimedia person, Len Clark, who used to be one of the hosts of Game Day, 
is going to be on with them, as along with Declan Hughes from Dublin Radio and Gaelic Gridiron's Jimmy English. Quite a name for Gaelic Gridiron Jimmy English will yeah, be on right. the show. Uh, so that's game day. Then at 11 a.m., game day sports beat. Darren Pritchett and I have that for two and a half hours. We'll take you up to 1.30 when the Notre Dame Radio Network takes over with their tailgate show. Then at 2.30, Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris with the kickoff. And then afterwards, it's the post-game show. Evan Sharpley and I will have that. So that is what tomorrow looks like. All right. So with that, I will open the door for you to hit me with the ponderings that you're known to hit me with. All right. At the start of the show. (laughs) Get ready for some surprises, folks. Anyway. Here we go. Uh, So. Tomorrow's Georgia Tech, of course, senior day. Who do we need to be rooting for as far as the college football playoff goes? Now, you're talking about other games to be watching tomorrow? So, Michigan State and Ohio State play. That is is the main game of the day, Mm -hmm. probably for everybody, regarding college football playoff. I'm pretty sure it is the biggest matchup. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be a noon kickoff, so you can start your day at noon with that, and that'll take you right into Notre Dame and uh, Georgia Tech in that 2.30 game. You know, I guess, you know, there'll, there'll be some overlap, obviously. But uh, in terms of who you're rooting for in that game, uh, they both have one loss. So either, you know, no matter what the outcome is, one team is going to be eliminated. You know, should fall behind Notre Dame, like assuming Notre Dame wins. Personally, I think you probably pull for Michigan State because Michigan State beats Ohio State, theoretically – better team kicks them out they you know they've got two losses but they get kicked out of the of of the playoff conversation at that point and then I think that when you look at the Big Ten championship game in a couple of weeks that gives Wisconsin assuming Wisconsin comes out a team Notre Dame has beaten a better chance I, I think they've got a better chance to beat Michigan State than Ohio State so I think you're probably pulling for Michigan State tomorrow and then, you know, down the road, you're pulling for Wisconsin to beat Michigan State. And then that ultimately, you know, you'd be pulling for Wisconsin to beat Ohio State as well. But again, I think that they've got a better chance against Michigan State. And then that, you know, that if that happens, that kicks the Big Ten period out of the college football playoff. Most likely, unless, you know, like Michigan would beat Ohio State next week, you know, but all those... As far as this week goes, I think we're pulling for Michigan State. So we'll leave it at that for right now. Um, Otherwise, you've also got Cincinnati and SMU. And I know that there is, you know, kind of one line of thinking that says you want Cincinnati to keep winning because, you know, that that makes that a better loss uh, for Notre Dame. Uh, But I think at this point where Notre Dame is – uh, I, I think you probably just need Cincinnati to lose at some point. <laughs> and, right, right. And with them playing SMU, uh, you know, so I think you're probably pulling for SMU. And then, you know, again, they'll play a conference championship game against Houston in a couple of weeks because, you know, so like if they would lose this one and lose the conference championship game, for example, that gives them two losses. So I think that that's probably what you're pulling for. And then also tomorrow night, in one of the later games, you've got Utah against Oregon, and you are pulling for Utah in that game to kick Oregon out. That would be their second loss if they would lose 
that game. Should be the first of two meetings between Oregon and Utah in the next couple of weeks because they're probably going to rematch in the Pac-12 championship game in a couple of weeks. But pulling for Utah. So you're pulling for Utah. Um, like I said, it's it's your choice, but I'd be pulling for Michigan State against Ohio State and then SMU over Cincinnati. Okay. All right. Huh. <laughs> Do you object to any of that? No, I'm 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 kind of with you as far as you, you're needing Cincinnati to just lose out now. Yeah, just to, I just, just to drop them out of the conversation altogether. Right, because you know, like if you look at, for example, the the Michigan Michigan State thing that's going on right there with with Michigan being ranked ahead of Michigan State, even though Michigan State has the win. I think that where you are at this point in the season. If Cincinnati would lose and Notre Dame keeps winning, I think that Notre Dame is going to end up ahead of Cincinnati, you know. And that'll that'll hurt Cincinnati's feelings and all that stuff and some other people will probably be chirping about it. But again, I just I think that where you are at this point in the season, the committee has all already shown a precedent that you know, they're willing to essentially disregard what happens on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, and and stuff like this has happened before, you know, just like if you want to go all the way back to 1993 when, when Notre Dame beat Florida State and then they turned around and got beaten the next week by Boston College and then they went to their bowl games and this was obviously all pre-BCS and all that stuff, Florida State ended up winning the national championship that year even though Notre Dame and Florida State both ended up with just one loss at the end of the season. They weren't co-champs, any of that kind of – you know, that's when you were relying on the polls – to, to crown a national champion. And, you know, so Notre Dame had a head-to-head in that instance as well and didn't get a share of the national championship. You know, and there was there was a, a right for Notre Dame to, to potentially, you know, claim a, a stake of that. And, you know, unlike Central Florida a couple years back, that's not the direction right. they went. But, you know, so again, it's like these things have happened historically before where you beat a team and then you end up losing – down the road or you know whatever it's the head-to-head doesn't necessarily mean as much as as people think that it does okay all right i had something in the front of my mind and oh now i remember what it is okay uh georgia tech we know they're just not good this year sure. uh coming in this game what three and seven is it uh yes. so how how much of a possibility is it that Notre Dame's looking past them. Well, I wouldn't think that they would be looking past them just because it's, you know, it's like you got another 3 and 17 uh, team next week in Stanford, you know. So I think that at this point in the season, if you're Notre Dame, you've still got a lot to play for. You have a chance yeah. to be in the college football playoff, and the only way you do that is if you go out and you beat Georgia Tech and you don't lay an egg at home. I mean, I, I think the only looking past them or, you know, whatever, you know, focus, however you want to term it, is like weird things can happen on senior day. You know, like yeah. teams can come out. We've seen it with Notre Dame over the years where they come out flat on senior day because there is that all that extra emotion and all those external factors that come into play your parents are in the stands maybe your grandparents and you know extended family and and all your friends are there because it's the last day you're going to play at Notre Dame Stadium you're you know the last game of your college career and all that stuff and so from that aspect you know weird things 
can kind of happen, you know, and, and a lot of times you'll see it in the first half. They kind of come out flat. Notre Dame has had some flat first halves this season anyway, you know, so I think that there's probably some of that there. But otherwise, I, I don't I don't think it should be a thing. You know, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that, that Notre Dame would probably score a lot more points last week against Virginia than what they did because Virginia's defense was bad. Well, Georgia's, Georgia Tech's defense is really bad as well. There's some talent on the Georgia Tech roster in Jeff Collins' third season, and we'll hear more about that with Ken Segura coming up here in a minute. There's some talent out there. Um, and, you know, they beat North Carolina earlier this season. Right. Uh, over the last couple of years, they've managed to come up and sneak up and get some nice wins. Notre Dame took care of them on the road in Atlanta last year. I would expect they're going to do the same tomorrow because, again, it's a really bad defense. We don't know if Jeff Sims, their quarterback, who's a nice you know, dual-threat type quarterback. He missed last week's game against Boston College. We don't know if he'll be there tomorrow. Um, it, you know, it, it, kind of the same thing, but not quite to the same degree with Brennan Armstrong last week. You know, you're you're preparing for one quarterback and you know all those different things. So, I, I think the biggest enemy of Notre Dame tomorrow is just the extra emotion that comes with playing on Senior Day, and you know, for a lot of those guys in their last game in the stadium. All right. As far as uh, big Senior Day moments, do you see any anything happening there? Big senior day. You know, like who's moments. gonna who's gonna step up and you know just you know especially you know especially if it's a senior even uh, who's gonna be that guy who you know makes that big play. Good question. Good question. I'm trying to think. I'm like scanning my brain for the you know because like Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay are technically seniors, but those are like cases of guys who could very easily be back next year. Right. You know, Jack Cohn. He's a great, you know, like like it'll be his last game, his one and only season at Notre Dame. Um, I'll just go with Kurt Heinisch, you know, because okay. he gave us the quote of the week this week when he talked about how he pukes all the time <laughs> in the garbage can <laughs> before every game. He's one of those guys, you know, who yaks it up, uh-huh. leaves it all in the garbage pail before he heads out <laughs> onto the field. You know, and he's the custodian's he's, best friend. Kirk that's Heinisch. right. That's right. He's played really well the last couple of weeks. You know, had that monster game against Navy a couple of weeks ago. So, I'll just go with with Kurt Heinisch, and I'll say Jack Cohn is going to have some kind of moment as well because we really, you know, he's really played a lot more steady these last few weeks. Had a bad interception last week, but you know, he is he's been he's been what Notre Dame needed him to be I think now it yeah. took a while for both him and you know Tommy Reese slash Brian Kelly the, the offensive coaching staff to kind of figure out what exactly it was they needed to do to really make it work but it has really worked over these last few games you it know, has, he's, yeah. since they've gone to the to the tempo got the ball out quicker and all that kind of stuff the sacks have dramatically gone down I'm, I'm not going to credit the offensive line and Jeff Quinn with all of that, you know, it, it has as much to do with the mode of operation, I think, as anything. Uh, but the completion percentage for Jack Cohn has gone up as well. He doesn't necessarily have big, gaudy, you know, yardage numbers and all that kind of stuff. He only had 130-some yards last week against Virginia. But he's completing up around, you know, 73 to 74% over this stretch since they made that switch starting with the USC game. Or in really going back to Virginia Tech, I guess. Mm-hmm even as well, you know, when when uh, 
when he was leading the two-minute offense at the end of that game. So I'll say defensively, Kurt Heinisch has some kind of day. And uh, offensively, I'll just go with, with Jack Cohn. A little bit of a point guard, but uh, distributing for Notre Dame offensively. Yeah, he, he... – you know, like you said, it's not he's not racking up these gaudy yardage numbers or anything like that, but he has looked so much better as yeah. the season has gone on. Like it, it was it was really kind of a train wreck the the first month or so. <laughs> yeah, it really was. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, it really was. But you know, that goes back to what what I've been saying this week about Karen Williams and what some other people have been saying as well. With Karen Williams being left off the Doak Walker Award semifinalist list, you know, right. essentially quote-unquote, top ten running backs in the country. Kyron Williams was never able to be Kyron Williams early in the season because he didn't have a chance to be because there was nothing – there was no blocking for him up front. So, again, like if you were watching those games and you saw what Kyron Williams was trying to do then and you see what he's been doing these last five games with the yardage that he's put up – even though he doesn't have stats on paper to to warrant being one of the quote-unquote top ten running backs in the country and being in contention for the Doak Walker Award, you know, again, are you watching football or are you just looking at a stat sheet? That, that to me, is what it comes down to. Because if you're watching football and you've seen Kyron Williams play, you know without a shadow of doubt he's one of the top ten running backs oh, in yeah. the nation this yeah. year. You know, He's so. going to be playing on Sunday. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, my question for you. Okay. Two games to go now for Notre Dame. Tomorrow against Georgia Tech, next week against Stanford in terms of the regular season. And with an eye toward making the college football playoff, how much do you think style points matter for the Irish these next couple weeks? Define style points. <laughs> well, like do they do they have You're to, not just do, winning, but yeah. you're winning in resounding fashion. Like you you know, you're not you're not playing a sloppy game and just finishing a game and winning, you are you are showing, I guess, that you you know, you're you're making some kind of statement about whether or not you belong in the college football playoff. Okay. Uh, honestly, they, they need all the style points they can get. Uh, you know, take advantage of the fact that you've got two, three, and seven teams coming up here. Yeah. And and show, you know, hey, you know, We'd be able to hang with with everybody else in, in the in the playoff, you know. Just stomp them, you know. Stomp them both. Uh, stomp them early. Stomp them often. Uh, yeah, they, I I don't think they can. I don't think they can earn enough style points. Quite honestly, uh, as far as the rest of the season goes, as far well, as the playoff goes, I agree. And like you know, last week could have easily been thirty five to three instead of 28 to three if you know if not for that fumble late in the game you know what we're between uh tyler buckner and logan diggs you know they were gonna score you know but notre dame's not playing charleston southern like georgia (laughs) this week you know so (laughs) they're not pulling up new mexico state like alabama did last week yeah exactly (laughs) and and, you know and that's where some of these other teams are how 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 can you reward that how can you? Re- how can the playoff reward that? You know, sh- having a a team like Charleston Southern, you know, Georgia playing Charleston Southern that late in the season. Oh, I know. And 
you know, that's the thing. Notre Dame has never played an FCS team. Right. But but you've got you've got Georgia, the number one team in the country, and I've got no problem with them being number one, but oh, they're yeah. playing Charleston yeah. Southern. It's yeah. it's basically a bye week it is. this week. And you know what like like you're talking about Alabama playing New Mexico State and and all those teams down there in the south, they're playing FCS opponents every year. Yeah. You know, Alabama played Mercer earlier this year. Right. They've played Southern, you know, Southern Miss, not technically, you know, an FCS, but definitely New Mexico State, Southern Miss, and Mercer. These second-tier schools, you know, that they really have no business having on their schedule. Yeah, I mean, go out and play somebody. And that's, you know, and this comes back to the the whole Notre Dame and and supposedly how – their independence, you know, is, is unfair and all, you know, we're, we're already back to that argument after they were in the ACC mm-hmm. for a year. And it's just, you know, stop with all this stuff. Yeah. You know, and, but to the style points thing, I think that it absolutely does matter. I think that every, you know, every single thing matters now because, the committee has already proven, and Gary Barta basically, you know, in the in the first sentence out of his mouth when he was talking about Michigan and Michigan <laughs> State, you know, it's like oh, watching the games really doesn't matter that much, you know. So, if that's the case, which you know, and the committee is telling you that you have to win in in you know handy in, in resounding fashion, you you, you have to it. win some lopsided games against yeah. teams that you should win lopsided games against. Yeah. And, you know, when you're sitting in the number eight spot, every single point is going to matter. Now, I don't think that that's the message that you talk about to your team. You know, you talk to your team about, you know, you're, you're going out and, you know, the, your, your personal standard and all those different things and take care of your own business. But, you know, like even last week, Notre Dame would drive the ball down those first couple possessions against Virginia, but then they find themselves putting themselves in a position where they've got to go for it on fourth down, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your your drives are, are, are a little bit choppy toward the end and stalling out. You know, they, they easily could have won that game in a more lopsided fashion, and it seemed like, you know, maybe Brian Kelly downshifted. He definitely had another opportunity with about a minute and a half to go at the end of the first half, you know, where – he didn't keep trying to score. They just went to the locker room. I just feel like, you know, you, you can't worry about other people's feelings at this point. If, if you're really trying to get into the playoff, you, you need to keep scoring until <laughs> there, there are no more opportunities to score. Yeah. You know, you've, you've basically so. got to have that kind of score where it's just like, yep, I expected it to be that lopsided. Yeah, because yeah. We, can, we can talk about, you know, whether or not Notre Dame realistically has a chance to win a playoff game and, you know, is this the season where they should? And, and all, you know, I've, I've said all along that I didn't feel like this was ever realistically a playoff-type season for Notre Dame because of all the losses that they had. And right. when you look at how, th- you know, the things that we talked about, how things started with the offensive line and all those things, and would that offensive line, if you put them up against a team like Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State or whoever in a playoff game, would they – be exposed again i think that there's probably a good chance of that but i mean the point of the the fact of the matter is right now you're ranked eighth going into the final two weekends of the regular season and the top four teams make it and there are some teams in front of you that are guaranteed to lose over the next couple of weeks so you're going to have an opportunity to be in that top four so you can't worry about all that other 
stuff. All you can worry about is is taking care of your business, and and that's what I think they need to do tomorrow. They win. They need to win in as resounding a fashion as possible. Did you think we'd be talking about the possibility even of a playoff? No, I didn't think so either. <laughs> no, like that that that's got to be like a huge success just for the program alone. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, look where they are right now. Like those first five games. You know, look at what you know. It took a collapse against Florida State, and you had to come back and beat them. Mm-hmm. You fell behind Toledo at the end of the game, and you had to get a game-winning drive after that. You know, all that you know, because like even though Purdue ended up being decided by more than a couple of touchdowns, it took Kyron Williams cranking off a big run yeah. in the fourth quarter of that game to really make it a comfortable margin and an interception in the end zone by Kyle Hamilton. Right. You know, to make that a comfortable margin. And then, of course, you know, the, the explosion against Wisconsin in what was a close game, you know, that very easily could have gone the other way. You know, so there are all these different, you know, like they very easily could be a two or a three loss team right now. But to mm-hmm. their credit, they managed to not be a two or a three loss team. They are still a one loss team with that loss being at home to a group of five team, you know. So, but I, I thought that. I thought that they would probably have two losses sitting where they're sitting right now. And, you know, they don't. They have they have one loss. They were able to overcome a lot. They won a lot of close games. And I think a lot of that comes to the development in the program, uh, you know, the way they are coached, you know, in the mental mind, and, you know, and, and a lot of other things. So, I mean, to their credit, they are where they are right now. But, no, I didn't think they would have a chance to be in the playoff conversation at this point in the season. All right. Never would have thought it. Yeah. All right. He's Jim Irizarry. I'm Sean Styers. It's the Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank. Other participating sponsors include Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Sean Stevens in South Bend or Bob Borlick in North Liberty. Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years or older. Please play responsibly. Four Winds Casinos. Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Wings, etc. Grill and Pub, 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Also, nope, I've already mentioned these guys. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I had an old uh, broken up sponsor sheet ah. we are the leprechaun lunch though presented by first state bank we'll take a time out when we come back ken segura who covers georgia tech we will talk some yellow jackets with him coming up next on the leprechaun lunch on sports radio 960 wsbt <laughs> leprechaun lunch show on sports radio 960 am wsbt presented by First State Bank continues on this Friday, day before Notre Dame, Georgia Tech. Talked with Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution this week about the Yellow Jackets. Let's hear this conversation right now. Jeff Collins, this is year three for the Georgia Tech head coach down there. And I saw where he just said that it should be obvious to anyone watching that they have made progress in his tenure and that's seen them win three games in his first couple of years. They're sitting on three wins right now with Notre Dame and Georgia to go. And uh, obviously you were watching pretty closely. So I guess <laughs> have they progressed in his time down there, Ken? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that, I, I, I would think you'd be hard, it'd be hard to dispute that. I mean, you know, you look at, and I think this is the thing that he, he hits home on a lot, and, and it makes some sense. Um, a lot of, you know, his first year, second year, they were losing games by double digits. You know, obviously last year against Notre Dame, it wasn't close. Uh, they lost, you know, seventy-three to seven last year to Clemson, um, and so uh, they, they're they're playing a lot of close games this year. You know, going to, I think they've lost. They're three and seven, but six of the seven, they've uh, they've had a chance to either tie or take the lead in the fourth quarter uh, of six of those games. So you know, I guess there's some bad luck. I, I think you know, I guess you look at it different ways. You know, they're also getting, typically getting out gained by a good bit, or have been sure. lately. And so, you know, maybe they're a little bit fortunate to be in some of those games where it's one possession. But, um, but yeah, but they are getting better. It's just a matter of are they getting better and, and by by enough margin? And, and do, do, you know, is there enough to make you feel like, okay, this is definitely going in the right direction? Uh, so those are kind of things that are, I guess, are trying to be, you know, people are trying to figure out and, and, and conclude, uh, obviously, uh these last couple of games will be a bit of a different scale than the the first 10, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think they're making progress, but, but yeah, it's, it, but how much is, yeah, is more the, the issue, I guess. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I read a column by uh, one of the right, one of the other, you know, the columnist basically in, mm-hmm. in your paper the other day, and he was kind of taking him right. to task, obviously, you know, yeah. he, 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 he apparently seems to, you know, think otherwise right now, but it, the interesting thing that that struck me, I I think that really jumped out at me that I didn't realize, you know, Collins leaves Temple and he gets a seven year contract there at Georgia Tech. Right. Why such a, a long contract for someone who you know was relatively unproven as a head coach going into that job? Um, well, the athletic director Todd Stansberry, I think his sort of uh, his position on this was because you're replacing a coach with an unorthodox offense in Paul Johnson and that, you know, the, the spread option scheme, right. which was heavy on running backs, no tight ends, so forth. So it, I think the way he saw it is if I'm going to be able to, you know, recruit the kind of, or bring in the kind of coach we want, we need to give him a little more security that you're going to get the time you need to, to get things the way you want them. Um, so yeah, it, it's obviously very unusual to get a, a seven-year contract for any, for you know, for any new hire. But uh, yeah, like you said, let alone someone who um, who had only had two years of head coaching experience. So that uh, you know, should it get to that point where there's start talk of you know, is this going to be the right fit or not? I think that will make it a little more tricky. But uh, but yeah, for, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it was largely re- related to, to Paul Johnson's offense. Well, I mean, does it does it feel like? The fan base is still kind of buying in right there. I, I imagine it's got to be kind of a complicated fan base anyway with, you know, a school like that in a, you know, right. you know, big market and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, well, uh, funny you should ask that. I wrote a story yesterday about how uh, the, the, the attendance for this year is it's on track to be the lowest since 1989. Uh, mm. And so some of that I'm sure you could say is, you know, fans are leery about COVID and being in a in an environment like that, but certainly not all of that drop. Um, you know, there have been plenty of schools in the ACC and across the country uh, that where they've held steady or even made gains with attendance from from, from 2019, I should say. And so, um, so they, yeah, so they dropped from 2019 and 18, and, and I was, yeah, so it's it's down 
you know, to whatever degree, social media is a barometer. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have, doesn't have a lot of supporters at this moment. I think people are frustrated. I, I think naturally, um, and you know, some of you know, just yeah, some questions about some decisions. And that's the, the big thing is, um, or one of the big things is, they have a, a, a very experienced secondary. Uh, and they, they just seem to keep making the same mistakes and, you know, having trouble with eye discipline and, you know, coverage busts and so forth. And sure. so, um, so that's probably a big part of it too. Well, and you kind of refer to this. I mean, everyone knew they had to revamp the offensive roster after going 11 years running the triple option. So are, are mm-hmm. they, you know, and, and I think people can see that there is some talent there. How, how close do you think right. they are along those lines? Boy, uh, I mean, I'm getting there. I mean, the, the offensive line, and this is interesting, I, you know, to kind of go back to what we were talking about with, with shifting from uh, Paul Johnson's office. He's, there's still a lot of his guys uh, that he had recruited and, and that played for Paul Johnson that are still uh, playing on both sides, some more so on the defense, but some also on the offense. But, uh, but yeah, the offensive line, I think, is, is still kind of a work in progress. Um Jeff Sims, uh, if he plays, there's a question of who the starting quarterback will be. Just given on, Sims got hurt a couple of games ago, but he's he's got a, a big arm, a great runner, but can be prone to, you know, making some mistakes. Um, but the, but but far and away the, the the player to watch for Georgia Tech is Jameer Gibbs. He's second now in FBS and all-purpose yardage. Uh, just a fantastic, explosive player. Uh, I'm sure Notre Dame will have their plans to, to keep them bottled up or, or you know we're gonna force tech to throw to, to win the game but um but yeah so but you know it's it's gonna it's probably better than it was two years ago and last year but but they still got a ways to go i think to be the you know the kind of offense that they want to be yeah brian kelly was pretty complimentary of jameer gibbs at his press conference the other day i mean he said he should mm-hmm. be the acc player of the year are, are you know so are, wow. are you you know i know coaches you know can throw the hyperbole and stuff like that around right. but you know what what do you think is he got that kind of talent um you can make the case for him i mean i don't know quarterbacks in the league right now um <laughs> but but uh but yeah i mean i, I don't know that anyone quite like him i mean you know I, I, no one has more all-purpose yards than him which counts for something and he's you know he's he, he's really doing a lot to hold up this offense, maybe not just entirely by himself, but he's doing a lot just, you know, with his playmaking ability. Um, I would think, you know, these next two games, we'll see just how he does, but, uh, but I would think he'd probably get some consideration. I'll be honest, I haven't given that a whole lot of thought, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if he won it, but given the record, but I think he would merit some sort of consideration. Ken Segura with us from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covers Georgia Tech and you touched on the quarterback Jeff Sims he didn't play in their loss last week to Boston College have you got an update on on what his status is for this week heading into this week's game I, I don't uh Jordan Yates uh was a backup played against Boston College uh he's a very he's more of a manager type but but you know can make plays with his feet uh good decision maker um, had a, a, did have a really uh, bad interception against in the red zone against uh, BC, but uh, I, I don't know. I've been trying to you know kind of figure that one out. But, sure. Um, it, it, I, it could be either at this point. Yeah, I'm sure at this point they want to keep that as close to the vest as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Make Notre Dame prepare for both of them. But both, uh, yeah. you know, Collins has a defensive background 
Ken, and mm-hmm. but, but they rank 113th in total defense in the country. Are you surprised that, you know, again, in, in year three that they haven't made more improvement on that side of the ball yet? Um, I am, yeah. I mean, I, I think especially given what I've said before, that the secondary is really experienced, and I think they've, they've talked a lot about how good some of those guys are back there. Um, they have experience also, for that matter, recurring starters on the on the defense, uh, on the defensive line and a linebacker. They brought in a grad transfer from Maryland to play linebacker, A.C. Lee, winning his second or third in tackles in the ACC, although he'll miss the first half of the game because of a targeting penalty. Um, yeah, you, you know, I didn't think they would be world beaters by any stretch, but I did, you know, I certainly didn't think they'd be, you know, in the bottom, whatever, fifth or sixth percentile of, of, or quartile, or not quartile. Right. The bottom 15 or 20 in the league or in the FBS, that's, that's just not, uh, I don't think anyone can see that coming. And it's just not, I mean, that's a huge part of what's, what's going on this year is a defense that puts trouble. South people. And some of it is playing teams like Pitt and, and Virginia and so forth, but, but that's not how the, all of, all of the problems right now. Right. Well, they beat North Carolina and they held the Tar right. Heels to 22 points in the process. And that's the second lowest point total that they've had this season. So how, how'd they manage that? Uh, I think part of it was uh, they they came out with a different team. They they've been largely a four two five team. They they played three three five for the second game in a row. I don't know that Carolina was really expecting that. Um, but also you know they they just I, I, you know effort and energy are such kind of uh, what's the word uh, qualitative things. And it's hard to say that they definitely those more. But it it's felt like they were they were coming after the quarterback harder. And what they did, what actually also what, what counted heavily was that they they sat uh, Howell eight times, which is crazy. Um, and they forced three fumbles and, and got really good field position out of those. So, um, you know, the one thing that they they really kind of uh, the defense at Tech really tried to hang its head on is forcing fumbles, especially tripping the ball out. And so, if they can do that again. I think that's, you know, against Notre Dame, that's the one thing you would think that maybe would give them a chance if they can get fumbles on, on Notre Dame's side and create positive field position and, and maybe, you know, maybe get a defensive touchdown. But uh, but that's, yeah, to go back to the question, it was it was a lot of it was creating turnovers and, and, and you know, giving the defense, they all giving the offense a really advantageous field position. Well, and again, you mentioned close games that they haven't quite been able to pull off and in reading some mm-hmm. of your stuff it looks like closing out finishing games has been right. an issue is there is there a, a common theme and maybe why they haven't been able to close out games uh not especially i mean i think you know i, I guess it's probably a lot of the same things you hear about any team that's at three and seven the offense can be kind of inconsistent uh you know they they've they the third down defense has, has been suspect Actually, against Boston College, they had three plays of third nine or longer that they gave up that were really critical in the, in the outcome. Um, and that's one of the things where they, they just, you know, whether it's a penalty or a fumble or, or something, it's, you know, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or focus or what, but um, they just seem to kind of, you know, make one make one more mistake or two more mistakes than the other team, and that, that is costing them. Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I, and I guess we'll kind of wrap up on this again mm-hmm. kind of going back to Jeff Collins with this being year three of a seven-year 
contracts with with the things that have gone wrong it, it, it would seem like he's going to be around for at least a while could a staff shakeup maybe be coming this offseason for georgia tech I, I i i think it could uh that wouldn't surprise me at all um you know there's a lot of guys that he, he brought with him from from temple particularly on the defensive side um but uh and, and a lot of guys that have georgia georgia tech ties but you know i, I think it certainly seems like there's there's problems on the defense that 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 need to be addressed and and also obviously you know the, if you want to restore you know confidence within the fan base you you, you need to. That is Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal Constitution talking a little Georgia Tech with the Georgia Tech beat writer. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Jim Irizarry's got some game props for us for. Tomorrow, we will take a look at those. It is the Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank. Committed to being a premier financial partner, First State Bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch, presented by First State Bank, continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT with Jimmy Rosari. Sean Styers, we're at the point in the show where Jim throws those game props around. All you right. got them ready to go? I do, I do. Let's do it. Uh, first of all, 16.5 to 17-point favorites tomorrow against Georgia Tech. So, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take Notre Dame, you know, because, again, th- this is a really bad defense. It's a home game and all those different things. And... You know, they won by 25 last week on the road at Virginia. There is some talent on the Georgia Tech roster, but defensively this should be a team that Notre Dame should really be able to exploit. So I'll take Notre Dame. Over-under set at 59-and-a-half. Man. i got to go under because I'm seeing Notre Dame somewhere in the 40-point range, Mm -hmm. and I just don't see – Georgia Tech being able to uh, do much, very yeah. much. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, Kyron Williams versus Jameer Gibbs. Which running back will record more total yards? Gibbs is a really good running back. He's their leading receiver. He's got 35 catches for over 460 yards. It doesn't have a lot of rushing yards, six something, but still, I mean, you know, he's still averaging like 5.3 per carry. <sighs> Man, it's like how are you going to use? How are you going to use Kyron Williams? If I were, I'm I'm just going to say Kyron Williams because I think, you know, like we've talked about this Doak Walker thing and all that stuff this week. I'm looking for uh, you were asking me for senior moments earlier in the show. My junior moment is going to be Kyron Williams. I wish that there was a college edition of Angry Runs like they have on Good Morning Football with the NFL. I think Kyron Williams is going to run He's going angry to have one of those? tomorrow. Yeah, okay. I think Kyron's going to be running angry tomorrow. Playing with a little chip on his You don't shoulder. want him when he's angry. Right, yeah. Heck, you don't want him when he's happy, quite honestly. But, uh, right. you know, when he's angry, yeeks. Uh, let's see. Will uh, Kevin Austin score in his fourth straight game? Yeah. I think he will. He's on a roll right now. I think he, I think he'll uh, he'll get it to the end zone once again. Okay. Passing yards by Jack Cohn. Line is set at two twenty four and a half. Over oh, under. Man, that is tough. Yeah. 
trying to predict what his passing yards are going to look like. 224.5 is not a huge number, but he didn't even top 140 last week. So I'm going to go under, I guess, because, you know, again, I think this is a game where uh, we could see a, a hefty rushing total like last week when they approached 250 rushing yards. If uh, if it gets to if it actually gets to be like a blowout, do they pull him? Oh yeah, I think because we'll that see, certainly plays a part. I think we'll see a mix of of Logan Diggs. Are, are you talking about Cone? Or are you talking about Williams? Uh, I'm, I'm talking about uh, well, really both actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'll be curious to see how they sort of handle the Cone situation tomorrow because I felt like there were opportunities last week where they could have got Buckner in more in the first half they they kind of waited until the second half um yeah I mean I, I think that I think we're still going to see some Tyler Buckner tomorrow but like a, I, I would I would hope that if they have a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter like Jack Cohn goes out for a play or two of a series and then you know in comes Tyler Buckner you know that kind of thing, a chance, okay. a chance for the crowd to kind of, you know, send him off with a salute. That's that's what I'd be looking for. Okay, and then uh, five and a half catches for Michael Mayer tomorrow, over under. I'll go over as well. He's, right. He 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 had his biggest game last week since uh, all the way back against Cincinnati. So I'll, I'll go over for Michael Mayer. So I'm I'm looking at Ohio State and Michigan State as well. Mm. Uh, Nineteen point spread. In favor of uh, Ohio State, nineteen. That's insane. Yeah, I don't get that. Like they had a big spread against Penn State, and Penn State pretty easily covered that. And I mean, I realize this is Vegas, right. so it's you know there's there's a difference, but still, it's like they're supposed to be going up against the seventh best team in the country. Is that what Vegas thinks of the seventh best team? Exactly. In the like like <laughs> like how much disrespect is that? I mean, come on, right? Uh, and then uh, the over/under set at sixty-eight and a half, which I can totally see, because here's what uh, Michigan State has given up to some of these quarterbacks: De'Ara King of Miami, three eighty-eight; Bailey Zapp of Western Kentucky, four eighty-eight; Cade McNamara, three eighty-three; Aiden O'Connell of Purdue, five thirty-six. Wow! I mean, whew, not exact. You know, you've got Michigan there, but I mean. I'm going to wow. go over. I'm going to go over on the point total. <laughs> yeah. I like Michigan State. I like Michigan State though getting yeah. those points, you know, on the spread. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean is does Vegas just think that all they have to do, all Ohio State has to do is just stop Kenneth Walker the 3rd? Apparently so. I mean, jeez. Yeah. I guess the Man. Buckeyes just have to show up and that's their game. Right. Man. So but yeah, that, I I I found that I found that line to just be just dripping with disrespect. So Crazy crazy all right well we will uh close it up with that as i read through this sponsor list one more time of course it is the leprechaun lunch presented by first state bank our other presenting sponsors include edward jones making sense of investing contact matt wilson in south bend or pablo rodriguez in granger also presented by Four Winds Casino, are you ready for your next escape? Experience the excitement at Four Winds Casinos with award-winning cuisine, the latest slots, and a variety of table games, including live poker, legacy heating and air, cooling and clean air specialists. Find them online, legacyheatingandairinc.com. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Wings, etc., grill and pub. Visit them online at togo.wingsetc.com. 
Com. For Jim Irizarry, I am Sean Styers. Leprechaun Lunch. Of course, we've got Budweiser's Weekday Sports Week coming up at 5 tonight. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 